Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, volumes one through nine, available at Amazon in paperback and ebook, and at Audible, if you like the audio gig, volumes one through eight are there for your listening pleasure. I trust you all had a good new year. And now, as we continue in this new year, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, K.J. Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. Welcome to season four. Hard to believe. Season four. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, you know, march onward we will. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But Happy New Year, everyone. I know we probably said that last time, but we'll say it again. Welcome to 2022. Yeah, Yeah, may it be better than the last couple. Yep, like every year. Every year. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's my sincere prayer, boy. We've been through some rough rumbles uh, lately. Yep. And uh, I want to encourage everybody to keep praying for my wife, Paula. And uh, I appreciate the well wishes and the emails uh, in regards to uh, many of our listeners who have contacted me and and said, you know, we're in your corner, Bill. Uh, Know that we're out there. And I know you are. And we're here for you. And as always, we intend to put our best foot forward with our podcast. How does that sound, Kev? Very good, very good. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. (laughs) We got to have a plan. There's got to be some type of plan. Yeah, we'll we'll try not to let them down. (laughs) (laughs) So what do we have uh, this evening in our cryptids and other oddities segment? Yeah, so tonight, Bill, we're going to talk about a creature that I was not familiar with until I started doing the research, although I have spent a lot of time in the woods where this creature is said to exist. And it's known as the Woods Devil. Nice. Have you heard and of this And you've been beast? in the woods? I haven't, but you've been in the woods where the Woods Devil lives? Well, yeah. So uh, this creature <laughs> has been seen in and around this area uh, that I'm going to tell you about since the 1930s. There's accounts of encounters with this creature. And the area that we're talking about is Coos County, New Hampshire. So C-O-O-S, 
County, New Hampshire. All right. And Coos County is the northernmost county in New Hampshire and the largest county in New Hampshire, although the least inhabited county, other than the Woods Devil, of course. <laughs> right, yeah. I was going to say, once you get up to real northern New Hampshire, there's not too much going on there, but the woods and the creatures in the well, woods. Well, that's it. So the southernmost uh, point, basically, in this county is uh, Mount Washington. And okay. then the northernmost point is the border with Canada. And the easternmost point is the border with Maine. So it's basically that tip of the state of New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, and mucho, hundreds of thousands of miles of uh, real estate for anything and everything to make its abode. A lot of square miles, and I know I've been up there right around the, uh, right, like right across the street from the Mount Washington Inn, and I've seen huge moose just cruising around in the daytime. So you don't wow. even have to go off the beaten path to see some big creatures there. Yeah, and those bad boys can come after you as well, so oh, watch yeah. your step. Yeah, no, we give them a lot of room. <laughs> yeah. They look yep. like these big, loping, innocent things, but they'll kill you. Yeah, no, they can put that rack down and start coming at you, and you better have a tree to climb. So, or keep a tree between you and that rack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd be like Curly on the Three Stooges dancing around a tree going, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> yeah, so so these critters, Bill, it's pretty interesting. Um, they're at least seven feet tall, so like seven to nine feet tall, most of the sightings. But they're extremely thin, so tall hmm. like a Bigfoot, but extremely thin. So think like very skinny and gangly and seven to nine feet tall. It's a, a a little bit along the lines of like uh, some dogman descriptions. Yeah, kind of, but no muscles at all, and typically talked about as covered in gray fur or light gray fur. Huh. And basically, we're going to talk about one of the accounts here that's been published soon. But basically, these creatures are said to have, of they have the ability to hide right behind a tree because they're so tall and skinny and they're very elusive. So like if they think that humans are around, they will get behind a tree and not move until they believe that the coast is clear, so to speak. So they don't seem to be aggressive, not rather at all. not at all hiding out. No. So I think, you know, if these creatures exist, they're different than like the typical Bigfoot for sure. Not only in their appearance, but it's a different creature. Yeah, yeah, definitely something else going on there, you know. Yeah, and they say also that they they um, will, will uh, if there's not a tree right there, they'll just stand up tall and not move, and they can appear to be like a tree that's cut off, you know, seven or eight feet off the ground. Yeah, and how many trees out there like the oaks around here? The bark looks great. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, you know. It's kind of like looking at a deer out in the woods. Unless you really have a trained eye, they can just stand still somewhere. You'll never even notice them standing. Yeah, there. and a deer is a different shape even than a tree. You know what I mean? Versus yeah. 
something vertical like that, you, you're not going to pick that out if it's not moving. No. Your brain is no, very sophisticated and your eyes are very sophisticated, but they're looking for that thing that looks different, not the thing that looks the yeah, same. You know, how many people uh, that I can recollect have initially mistaken what was a Bigfoot for a dead tree? Right, exactly. You know, if they're just standing still, they're dark, they, they're just not moving, it's another vertical line in the forest. What makes you think it's anything other than another tree or a stump or anything else? You wouldn't even recognize yeah, it. Yeah, we, we've reviewed a couple of those modern-day videos, too, Bill. Remember where, like, that Bigfoot is staying very still in the trees, and you only start to see it when it starts to sway a little bit left and right. And you're like, whoa, right. I didn't even see it there. Yeah, yeah if you're looking. If, Again, yeah, that right, was after you're looking. looking for it. Yeah. Right, right. So the eyes have to first be drawn to the prospective uh, target, and then you have to be patient enough to be watching or willing to observe a little deeper to see what is it I'm looking at. Yeah, and just but by, most people just walk by. Yeah, and just by the nature of their fur, you know, whether it's a Sasquatch, Bigfoot, or in this case, um, these woods devils, you know, they, they have that kind of virtual ghillie suit on too so if they're not moving you can't see them yeah no it's very difficult yeah so <clears throat> what about these woods devils where where have they been <coughs> excuse me seen or uh so sighted? yeah all around this coos county in the northern part of new hampshire in the white mountains there and um they the witnesses that have seen them say you could almost walk directly into a wood devil before you'd ever even know it's there because they're so wow. slender and their gray, uh, hairy covering allows them to basically hide in plain sight by standing either behind a tree trunk or next to a tree trunk or acting like they are a tree trunk. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of like walking up on a rabbit, you know, Kev, oh, how yeah, they'll they stay, stay and still. stay and stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you reach that certain point, where they're not, the commitment is no longer there to stay, they jump. Right. So these witnesses, by the way, unlike a rabbit, they say once spotted, these creatures, they emit an awful, heart-wrenching scream. Wow. So like, you're like, oh, I think I see something, and you move closer to it, and then it knows it's spotted, and it like screams at you. Can you imagine? Uh, I can't. That'll make you freaking fall like you're dead on the spot. Jeez. No doubt about it. I mean, you don't know what to do at that point, right? You're just like slapped in the face. Yep, yep. Wow. So one of the recent sightings, uh, fairly recent sightings, comes from a gentleman named Will. And uh, he shared it on a website in the Northeast called Phantoms and Monsters. And he's an amateur photographer, and he lives up in northern New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, he says he loves to get outside and uh, do outdoors photography. And certainly there's a lot to take pictures of up there in the White Mountains in northern New Hampshire. So he said uh -huh. it was in the fall time of the year, and he, he had uh, seen several moose along the Pontook Reservoir. So he decided to try to get a few photographs of the moose. And he says that he parked off of Berlin Road and walked into the woods east of the dam there. 
and he walked about a thousand feet or so. It was super dense and the light was low. And uh, he decided to get closer to the lake where he could pick up some better lighting, you know, basically get out of Mm -hmm. the tree cover. And he says, as he turned north, he heard a crackling sound behind him. He turned and said that he saw nothing. Started walking towards the area that the sound came from. And he hadn't walked far when I saw, when he says he saw something tall and thin dart from behind a sugar maple tree and quickly disappear. He Hmm. said he stood for a minute again, and this thing came from behind a large maple tree, then vanished again. He said he tried to get a photograph of it, but the darn thing was so fast and nothing ever showed up in the photos. And he didn't see it any more that day. Huh. Yeah, and he's, that is really strange. Really strange, but you can imagine it, right? Like you're there, you hear something, sticks cracking behind you, you turn around to walk back, and then you see something, and it like darts to the left and disappears, you know, almost like uh, a predator-like creature, you know, from the Schwarzenegger movie, mm-hmm. right? Now, you think he meant disappeared as in vanished? or no, just... just I think, you know, could be behind another tree, right? Because remember, he's in the woods that's so dense that he doesn't have much right, light. Right. So right. I've been in those woods as recently as this summer, and they're dense. Yeah. You know. So this thing could have just been open to the eye for a moment and then reconcealed behind some other tree or yeah, I mean, there could be a huge bear there 10 yards as the crow flies from you, and you might not see it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole thing, you know. People think that everything is like an open book. No. You know, we've spoken about this before. Why didn't they just do that? Why didn't you do that? It's not always the way it presents itself. Right. Right. You know, what you think should happen is not necessarily what happens when you're uh, in the moment yourself. Yep. And this guy, Will, he describes it. He says it was about seven feet tall and it had thick fur or hair, and he said it's much thinner than a normal man that would be that height, which is interesting because somebody who's seven feet tall would be pretty skinny as well, right, typically. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he said it's much thinner than a normal man that's seven feet tall, so really, really Mm -hmm. skinny. And he said it was very fast and very nimble, and he said I didn't hear any sound other than the footsteps making the making the twigs crackle even though it was moving very quickly Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so pretty cool right i mean and he went back to this site after that day and he hasn't seen another one huh well i don't know if you want to see another one (laughs) yeah it's a little it's on the borderline of uh you know not just a big uh scary creature but a little spooky too right yeah, but you know the fact that he went back. I don't know. You know, some people are weird, man. You know, it's almost like they're inviting trouble, or they're incapable of uh, making a rational decision uh, as to what's the best course of action. Well, you know don't forget I mean? he lives there. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like it's his woods. Like. Right. You know, you, you it's it's not likely that he'd never go back into the woods. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, under yeah. any circumstance. I mean, people get bitten by a shark and they go back in the ocean, you know. 
No, I know, and yeah. it's a weird thing because it wouldn't be what I would do, you know? Oh, well, I would. I would. I hope I don't get bitten <laughs> by a shark, but I love the water so much I'd go back in. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. All right, well, I mean, there you go. Different strokes for different folks, you know? Yeah, that's the woods devil. So uh, wow. pretty interesting critter, and I, I hadn't heard of him before, and uh, I'm definitely going to look into him a little bit more, and Next time I'm up in Coos County, New Hampshire, I'm going to take a look around. And our listeners, please, like I know a lot of you are up there in New Hampshire and Maine and northern Vermont. Let us know, you know, if you've seen this thing. Yeah, now there's no doubt about it. I am sure there are more people out there uh, that know of or have had uh, uh, an encounter or know of somebody who has or who has spoken of it. Uh, and, you know, the question is, will they and are they willing to come out of the proverbial closet and share it uh, with us in the audience? And that's what, of course, we encourage everybody to do. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Kev, why don't you tell everybody where they can get us if they have some information? Yeah. Bigfoot Terry in the Woods, contact us. And, you know, all of your contacts with us, we... We leave them anonymous unless you tell us otherwise. We'll probably leave them anonymous anyway, even if you tell us otherwise. And even in our listener mail, which all comes in through that same path, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, contact us. We uh, we don't mention, you know, uh, your last names or anything like that. So, Right, right. And that's just the way it is, yeah. you know. We appreciate uh, all the contact <laughs> and we appreciate the sharings of sightings and stuff like that, so... You know, it yeah. keeps and us we have going. a lot of it. Yeah. We have a lot of it, but we need more. <laughs> so we we have plenty of people who have stepped out of the boat, shared information with us, and people I've spoken to. and uh, But there's so many more people, of you, so many more of you out there that we know have seen and heard and experienced things. And we encourage you to do the same in reaching out to us and to our audience. So that's pretty cool, Kev. The, uh, that's another freaking creepy creature. Yeah, again, sightings since the 1930s. So uh, yeah, pretty interesting stuff. And again, who knows what was around before that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the first quote on record that you were able to come across but there was probably many many more before that that there's just no record of yeah you know? and you, you've been up there bill right the mount washington and uh the cog yeah. railway and that yeah. yeah and that is a uh that becomes increasingly desolate uh as you move in different directions from that point northward oh, yeah and of course when you start talking about the area bordering maine i mean We've spoke before how Maine has so few people compared to the square miles of the state. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's just like uh, no man's land of uh, woods, water, yeah, and trees. Yeah, it's a big and- state. You know, again, I was up there this summer again, and just even driving down the coast, how long it takes to get from A to B is shocking when you're up there. You're like, oh, wait a minute. That's going to take six yeah. hours? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's just tremendous, tremendous. So it's never shocking to me 
uh, when uh, people, you know, let me just say this. I opened up a folder I had been sent many months ago by a listener uh, who lives out in Washington. Uh, This guy was a logger in Washington State and Alaska. And uh, he had sent me some pictures of his logging crew at various locations uh, in Alaska and uh, in Washington. And, you know, when you see these pictures and, like, where these guys were, uh, it is not hard to believe at all why they would see something and you have not. Oh, no doubt about it. Especially if you're a logger, for example, and you're disturbing the environment, right? Like, yeah. you're going to see more stuff. I mean, it's going to be running from you a lot, but you will see it. Well, some of these creatures seem to have a affinity, and not, not a good one, towards people that are uh, disturbing the environment. And we spoke about that recently with that Portlock place. Those people were coming in and clearing the woods, making their little town, catching the fish, had some noisy machinery going on, uh, probably some saws, gunfire hunting in the woods. And then all of a sudden, the tables were turned against them. So, again, I think some of these creatures are none too happy uh, about man's infiltration into their environment, uh, while others may seemingly walk away. Uh, Some others are on the attack. And uh, I think that's what we're seeing in many of these uh, violent uh, encounters, missing persons, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so there's definitely more to this mystery than meets the eye. And uh, when I looked at the logging pictures and looked into the distance, these vistas, these vast valleys and mountainsides, like these guys got dropped in uh, onto an unknown planet to do their logging work, uh, it is not hard at all to take a jump and say that surely there is room enough just in that picture frame for some monster to be living out there and hunting and moving about. You know, so yeah, that's crazy. No doubt about it. Wow. Cool, Bill. Well, so that's our cryptids in the news and other oddities with the woods mm-hmm. devil. What do you have tonight uh, in terms of an account for us? Well, this uh, remarkable sighting was shared with me by Val Strenskiev, a Ukraine rancher of dairy cows and horses. Whoa. Yeah, so like, you know, here once again, we're United States guys. I'm a New Yorker. You're a North Carolinian now. We've got listeners in every state on the, uh, in North America and Canada, every province. When we think of uh, dairy cows and horses, what states come to mind, Kev? What do you think? Hmm. 
I mean, I'm thinking like Montana. Yeah, well, certainly horses, Wyoming, right. you, know, T- you know, Texas. Yeah, dairy uh, cows are all over we, the place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I no, I I get it. But what I'm trying to say is, when we talk about somebody in the Ukraine, well, guess what? They have needs of these things also. Oh yeah. And so here is Val. And let's get into this here. This is a really, really interesting uh, sighting that this guy had. In the early winter of 2014, I had taken a run early in the day, basically to inspect some of the fencing in our pastures and to relax. The day was pristine having had about five inches of snow overnight. My family's farm or ranch was generational, having been owned and cared for by many of my ancestors going back to the 1800s. The setting that I want to present to you is the reason why I sent you the photograph. The photo, however, was taken just last week, while... While the photo, however, was taken just last week while sitting in the exact same spot where the sighting had occurred years earlier. The snow had ceased about 5 a.m. Having finished my morning meal, I set out in my truck heading for the back of our property, which consists of about 675 acres most of which is rolling pasture land divided into individual grazing pastures by what you would call split rail fences. I had stopped my truck to smoke and was facing forward, seeing what you were looking at in the photo, only covered in a fresh blanket of snow. As you can see from the photo, there are about seven or eight individual pastures rolling up the slope of the mountainside, which is abutted by this pine forest. I had been sitting in the truck for about 20 minutes with a foggy kind of morning mist flowing down over the side of the mountain, wafting over the trees and down into the pastures. I distinctly remember the sun was very bright that morning and the mist or fog was beginning to dissipate to the point where there were individual little clouds, if you will, floating down through the pastures now. At this point, I was packing my pipe when out of the corner of my eye, I believed I saw a tall, dark figure enter the forest about 200 meters ahead of me. As you look at the picture, the lane or passage that is visible on the left-hand side in the distance, which somewhat divided the forest from where I first saw the creature, what I saw would be similar to you seeing the last second view of somebody ducking into a doorway. The truck I was driving was actually Soviet Army surplus, a flatbed with a stake body and painted in what would be considered camouflage. 
The road leading in was located at a relatively high point, with the highest of the pastures sitting well below my position. Now, I had been in this forest many, many times before, where whatever this was had gone. It's extremely dark, even in the brightest of sunshine, due to the extreme size and dimensions of the trees which form it. I began to concentrate my gaze into the trees, hoping to gain sight of this being, just as one of these drifting clouds overtook me and my truck, completely obscuring my view. In my mind, I was growing anxious as to what I should do. In other words, to get out of the truck or to wait for the cloud to move by me. Having chosen the latter, about three minutes went by and the cloud had passed fully by me. I was now once again looking at the trees. If whatever I saw was to pass directly through this area, it would have to emerge from the woods, virtually immediately confronted by the fence line next to the trees. So I waited and I watched. A moment later, walking out of the trees on two legs appears what I would call a yeti, as you would call it a Bigfoot. It took two steps out of the trees, extended its arm to the top rail of the fence. As its arm extended, it was already lifting its leg to clear the rail when it tumbled forward in the snow. What I had missed in those seconds and had only realized later upon further investigation was that the rail had collapsed when the creature leaned on it, causing the beast to fall forward headlong into the snow. I remember it flipped around a couple of times, as though it had been hurt, but then it quickly got to its feet, throwing its arms in the air as though we would, saying something like, what the heck? The creature kept walking across this particular pasture, approaching another fence, and this time it stepped right over it with no use of its hands. These top rails, by the way, were all placed at about two meters, so this was no ordinary man stepping over it. Having cleared the fence, I now realized the Yeti would be re-entering the adjoining forest in a matter of seconds, disappearing from view. I decided to beep the horn and see what would happen, and so I did. As the horn sounded in this valley, the creature lurched to its right, looking directly at me and froze. At that moment, I felt as though our eyes were meeting, even though it was perhaps 150 meters or better away, and it stood perfectly still for about 30 seconds. It then proceeded to turn away, and with several long bounds cleared the field and remaining fence and was gone. I sat there for about an hour, trying to gather my thoughts about what I saw and decided to leave and come back later to inspect the area where it had traveled. Later that afternoon, my two sons and I returned, both of which were more than a bit excited to see what, if anything, could be found. We were armed as we exited the truck and began the descent into the pastures. We approached a fence where the rail gave way, and upon close inspection, the timber was not decayed at all, but rather had been snapped by the force or the weight of this beast. 
The wood was firm and strong, with none of our group being able to damage it in any way. There were huge impressions in the snow, laid down in a straight and uniform pattern, appearing to be like that of a deformed human foot. I say this because the toes were spread out in a weird way as compared to, say, our own, albeit this creature was in no way limping or walking in a way indicating it was lame. We then walked back to where I had first seen it entering the trees, where we were confronted with a long line of visible tracks coming down through the break from an elevation of about 400 meters above us, which was also forest. Now following its path through the trees and back to the fence, we came upon several branches which had been snapped off freshly at a height of about three meters, evidently having been done by this creature also. Emerging from the woods, we walked down to the point where we had been staring each other down before the Yeti left my view. Now standing where it had stepped over the fence before re-entering the forest, I stood there dumbfounded. The beast had to have been better than a meter and a half at the crotch to clear this fence in a stride, which left me thinking that it had to have been perhaps three meters or so in height. Its color was brown with what appeared to be like reddish undertones, and appeared to be some three or four hundred kilos in weight. The body was thick and uniform in its dimensions, and appeared to be sturdily constructed with arms hanging down near to its knees. My sons and I measured the distance between its steps, being greater than two and a half meters, and those measured when it had begun its hasty exit closer to four meters. Since that day, we've seen nothing more of the beast, having looked for it in earnest. There was never a mention of this creature in my family from the time they had settled here to this day. Neither had any of the neighboring property's owners commented on such a thing being seen. What do you think of that, Kev? Great to hear from the Ukraine. And not about the Freaking. Russians invading. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, these people live in rural areas, as do many people across the United States. Uh, simple people living simple lives. We're not talking about downtown Manhattan. Uh, you know, raising animals, doing what they do to... Uh, create some commerce for themselves and probably a lot of bartering and uh, more, more old school living, I would. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say simple people living simple lives. I mean, it's it's simple from from our perspective, but it's complex right. when you're a part of it. You know, I mean, that's right. That's very right. tough to make a living ranching or farming and. Lot of variables, you know, many more variables than we face in our day to day lives. Right. And, you know, you know, my stand, I always look at things from the perspective of somebody living in suburbia. The many of the people around here wouldn't even consider the existence 
of a Bigfoot creature because there's no gigantic tracks around of uh, tracks of wilderness around here. Uh, we're surrounded by water, uh, and here you have these folks out in the Ukraine. He's got pasture land, woods, an old surplus army truck. You know, it's it's definitely a different life. Yeah, one hundred percent. He has one hundred percent. Yeah, he has this. It's like talking to somebody, which I do regularly in Wyoming or northern Alberta, or you know, uh, my buddy the logger. You know, it's a different world from their perspective than that which I live in. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we a have long, been, thin island with seven or eight million people on it is different than. <laughs> You know, a giant square state, country, or province with, you know, a fraction of the people living in a giant place, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, much, and, much different and you know, I've always, to see critters of all sorts. For sure. Sure. And I've always said, Kev, that I don't get down on people for their descriptions. There's always people chiming in and, you know, Nothing weighs that much. Ah, it must be fake. Uh, there was no snow over there and uh, this and that. I don't buy into all of that nonsense. I let the people talk. And if somebody says 2,000 pounds, maybe it was 800 pounds. And in the moment they said it was 2,000. You know, they're just they're speaking of something uh, that they can't really measure. It's not tangible to them. Maybe there's an air of excitement. Yeah, more, uh, speaking of 2,000 pounds, the Apaches are coming over if you hear them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I hear it. Yeah, it's a I hear it. <laughs> but it's, it's like we've said before, Bill, it's all the perspective. If, you, if you're not regularly seeing things that are eight feet tall and four feet across at the shoulders, how do you know how much they weigh? I don't know. You don't. Yeah, you don't. It's just a crapshoot. Yeah. You know, like if you told me you saw something that was eight feet tall in the woods and it was 10 feet tall, what do I care? No, but we can only guess at how much people weigh when we see them because we know how much we weigh. We know how much our children weigh. Maybe our partner weighs, our brother or sister weighs. So we have different perspective. We could say, oh, they look about like Bill and Bill weighs... X, so they probably weigh X also. But when you see something that's nine feet tall, unless you have a brother or a sister or a spouse that's nine feet tall, you can't really uh, <laughs> put a good estimate out there. Or you, know, you can put a good estimate out there, but we don't know how accurate it is. Yeah, yeah. And so I always try to take things with a grain of salt. I'm not uh, hypercritical uh, of the accounts and uh, recollections of uh, uh, minutia. But you are critical of the uh, shaky video footage, Bill. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Not me, man, because I, I'll tell you right now, if I was up close and personal on that, I don't think I'd be taking any video. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, and that's, that's, the, that's the honest truth, because I don't fault anybody uh, for getting their boots moving and getting the heck out of there. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you could be lunch, man, or you could be dead. <laughs> you know, no doubt about it. You know, not everything runs away from me like that woods devil you were talking about. <laughs> you know, or screams, 
screams at you and runs away, you know. <laughs> boy, oh boy, man. That but is correct. I was fasc- I was fascinated by this uh account and the follow up through the property. Uh you know, how about when they got a uh came up on that top rail? Oh yeah. And realized this was not a rotten timber. It was strong and it just broke it. Yeah. So, you know, if I look at a post and rail fence around here, like put in for landscaping, uh, if I walk up on that, those those posts, what are they generally made out of? Like cedar, right? Usually cedar so they don't rust away, you know. Not rust uh, away, rot away. Rot away, you know what I mean. Yeah. And, I mean, they're typically, what, maybe five or six inches in diameter? Yeah, yeah. I mean, heavy, like if I finally... Yeah, if I leaned on that, I'm in no way, shape, or form going to break it. Yeah, no, no. I could probably jump up and down on it if yeah, I. Yeah, they don't keep break. You know, when they're in good shape, they're not breaking. Yeah. So, if you think of something that would have the force or the leverage to snap that, it would have to be substantial. No doubt about it. You know. Agree. Agree. Wow. Oh, that's crazy, man. So there you have it. Good. Great account. The, Great uh, account. Yeah. Yep. The Yeti from Ukraine. And I love to hear the accounts from all over the world. It's fantastic. Yeah. And we encourage people, again, chime in with us. If you've seen something, say something. And that's all we can say. No doubt. We can't make you, but we want you to. No doubt. All so right, let's go to our listener mail. We got some great letters this week. Thank you for keeping them coming in. So like we say, if you see something, say something. Or if you just want to share something, say something. So our first mm-hmm. letter, Bill, comes in from Jose in Puerto Rico, where it's probably nice and warm as it's below freezing here in North Carolina today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're a little spoiled a little here, rough. folks. It's like chilly. But not mm-hmm. as chilly mm-hmm. as if you live up north. Um, oh, yeah. But Jose writes, hola, boys. Really enjoy the podcast. Wanted to check in to see what you guys think of the chupacabra. Huh. Not sure if you've covered this critter already, as I'm still catching up on the 100-plus podcasts that you guys have recorded. Keep up the great work, Jose. Excellent. So what do you think of and that chupacabra, Bill? Evil creature. Well, I believe it. I I believe again it's some nasty little creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we we don't know much about it. We know there's been reports, and we know there's been naysayers, uh, just like everything else we run across. But uh, what puts fang holes in the neck of a creature and drains its blood out? Yep. I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing, you know. Yeah, and we have covered that one, Jose. You'll get to it. You'll get to it uh, in our episodes. But we may cover it again, too, because it is a mysterious beast. And it's seen all over the place, not just in Puerto Rico, but all across Latin America. <laughs> and in other parts of the world, yeah. too. Yeah, and, you know, again, we're confronted with the fact uh, that what do these folks have to gain uh, by being interviewed or talking about, you know, their chickens and their animals being ravaged or taking a couple of pictures of what they found. Right. 
there's no monetary reward or gain for it. Uh, they just kind of uh, talk about it, and then word through the grapevine gets to somebody that gets to somebody who comes over and wants to do an interview. Yeah, I mean, they're generally just regular people that have never talked to anybody about anything like this before. And we'll never talk to anybody about it again either. So That's right. right, Once the interview's done, right, they go back into obscurity. Yeah. But this has happened many times uh, and in different locations. Uh, There's been reports of the Chupacabra in the southern United States uh, and uh, really in similar fashion, uh, animals being dispatched or fowl being dispatched in the same way. Yeah. Uh, they're not being shredded. They're not being chewed apart where the body is ripped open. Uh, heck, a hawk could do that after it's had its fill and leave well, the rest Well, yeah, there, and that's the know? weirdest thing. Like a lot of these things are like something gets into the hen house, you know. Um, but yeah. They're not torn apart. They're not missing. They're just bitten in the neck and like uh, like their blood was drawn. Whereas, you know, like foxes, a lot of my friends have chickens around here. It's a very regular thing that these crafty foxes, you know, figure out how to get into the hen house. Even when it's locked, latched, double latched, whatever, you know, over time, they're just like the foxes of the childhood cartoons so you know they're crafty and sly like a fox they they get in there but they don't just bite a chicken like the chicken is torn to pieces and eaten you know yeah no they do a job on it you know that's the big uh, mystery here right so the chupacabras uh from the onset seems to be more interested in just the blood yeah that's the way it seems at least yeah so we don't know, and again, if you if you know any more about this phenomena, certainly, you know, I, I hate to beat a drum, but let us know, you know, yeah, no doubt. let us know what you've seen or what you know, you know, um, because it's all very mysterious to all of us, and, you know, we're here to present mysteries and try to give reason to believe in mysteries and, uh, in some cases, try to solve some mysteries, so. No doubt about it. Yep. All right. Our next letter. We leave Puerto Rico and we go to the great state of Montana to Mm -hmm. Buddy. And Mm -hmm. Buddy writes, hi, brothers. Really enjoy the podcast. And I have three of your audio books, too. My favorite accounts are the freaky encounters with the hairy man where it also involves a UFO of some type. Do you huh. have a particular favorite in this category? And I'm sure you do, Bill. Thanks. Keep well, up the great work, buddy. Uh, my favorite is one that we did. And believe me, we'll get around to everything at least twice. <laughs> uh, I've said this to my brother that there's always new people chiming in. And some of these uh, accounts are worthy of repeated mention just like the Patty film or anything else, you know, Uh, I never get sick of seeing that film. Right. And uh, my favorite encounter was the one from Northern California where those group of kids went out for a little beer drinking party at night. Uh, You remember that, Kev, where they first saw the blue light glowing behind the mountain. 
and then the light appeared coming over the mountain, and they realized it was a saucer. Is that the one that, like, uh, pulled the Bigfoot up on, like, what I would call the tractor beam, kind of, like, carried it up that to is the saucer? Correct. That, that is correct. Yeah, because that's the one I was thinking and, of when I read this uh, note from Buddy. I was like, man, that freaky-deaky one where that Bigfoot is being sucked up into the sky on this beam of light into this flying saucer. Like, it doesn't get freakier than that to me. No, and and how it began, it was all very gradual. Yeah. They saw the illumination, then they saw the disc, then it seemed to be moving down the mountain towards their position, but it was a great distance. Oh, yeah. Then they saw some, what they described as like beams or spotlights circling around underneath it like it was scouring, like it was searching. Yep. Then they saw a single, a singular beam come down and some type of specks. Again, this is a great distance. So what they saw was specks coming down into this beam and another speck being drawn up into the beam. And then, of course, the rest of the, the account was when this thing got closer and closer and closer, what was drawn up into the beam as it got closer was a Bigfoot. So your guess is as good as mine yeah. as to what was going on there or what the involvement was. Uh, I have no idea, but there have certainly been uh, many accounts of orbs Mysterious lights, UFOs, Bigfoots coming in and out of existence. This is like high strangeness, folks. This is not a this is not a walk in the park by any means. This is some real weird stuff going on. And uh, all we can do is look at it with our mouths agape and our eyes wide open like what? Yeah, and buddy, you know, basically, you're not the only one that thinks this stuff is freaky deaky. Yeah, super <laughs> cool. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Good to hear from him, Kev. Super cool stuff. All right, and our last note from the night is um, from Patrick from Missouri, and he's this one's a little bit longer, but Patrick's actually sharing a Bigfoot experience that he had back in 2016. Okay. So this is in the fall, October of 2016. Patrick writes right. that he was bow hunting in his deer blind outside of St. Clair, Missouri, just off the uh-huh. Merrimack River. He said times were tough. He'd just gotten laid off. And his older sister, whose land he was hunting on, had just lost her job, and her husband was disabled, so there was little money. He says, I was hunting for food to feed us. I'd been scouting for several weeks, and I'd been seeing deer every day. For about a week prior, I had noticed the deer had seemed to disappear. I thought they had gone into an early rut, and the bucks were chasing the does at night, and running them ragged. Since this was a matter of having food or nothing to eat because of our situations, I had asked my sister if she minded if I did a night hunt just to see what I could see, and she agreed. Also, just off the river, there was a cave I like to explore, and I'm not sure if it has anything to do with the story, 
But earlier that day, I had been at the cave and hiked directly back to my blind for the hunt. I settled in for my afternoon hunt. It was very quiet in the woods that afternoon. My blind was right on the edge of the woods, completely enclosed, except for a small opening facing the field that I could shoot an arrow from. As it got dark, I dozed off, probably around 8 p.m. I was sound asleep, having a dream, and actually drooling down my chin when I was awakened. Mind you, I'd been hunting these woods since I was able to go in them by myself at the age of 8. It was 2 a.m. when I heard it. And it was so loud that I could feel it in my body. It couldn't have been more than 20 or so feet from my blind, from the sheer volume. But I couldn't be for sure since I didn't see it. When I first awoke, my first thought was, is that a gorilla? Because that's what it sounded like. It sounded like a severely pissed off silverback gorilla breaking branches, trees, and whatever else was in its way. Then it started making another sound. I thought to myself, is this a howler monkey? Because it sounded exactly like the screams and howls that a howler monkey makes. Then it got absolutely terrifying. It started making a noise I had never heard before. It started making a snarling, growling sound. At that point, I started praying to God because I didn't want to see what was making these sounds. Yeah, I don't <laughs> no blame doubt. Him. I was sitting up in my chair, crossbow against my chest, looking into the field through the small hole, wondering what I could do if I saw it. All the mm-hmm. sounds were coming from the woods behind my blind, and I could feel the vibrations in my body. It was the most Mm -hmm. terrifying experience of my life. The beast eventually left. I was too scared to leave my blind for fear it would get me. A couple of hours later, I heard it in the distance making the same howls, but it was much farther away. I eventually Uh fell asleep, but when my alarm on my phone went off the next morning and woke me, I ripped the battery from my phone to silence it because I was afraid the beast would hear it and come back. I stayed in the blind until it was sufficiently light before I went back to my sister's house. I told her about it, and she told me that she heard screams that sounded like a woman ever since she lived there, and that on a couple of occasions she heard bipedal movement behind her house by her bedroom, and on one occasion she had found reddish-brown hair about four inches long the next day on the barbed wire fence. But that was back in the 70s. I told my oldest daughter and her boyfriend, who was 17, about my encounter. Her boyfriend proceeded to tell me that his father and a friend of of his were looking at some property he was thinking about farming that was about a mile away from where my incident occurred and about a year earlier, and he said his father... Uh, that it was about dusk, and he described the same exact sounds that I heard on that night. I love your show. Keep up the great work. Sincerely, Patrick. Great account. Yeah, and you know what? One thing that jumps out of that to me, Kev, was 
Uh, do you remember the account of the guy, the bow hunter in the tree stand oh, yeah. in Tennessee with all of the owls yeah. and everything? Yeah. I remember him saying, it was in that moment that I was wishing I had brought a gun instead oh, yeah. of a bow. Yeah, even a crossbow. I'd rather have an AR-15. Yeah, because don't forget, once you launch that arrow... Whatever happens, happens, and you still have to be able to stop shaking <laughs> and and get another one in there, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how. Jeez, I, I, I can't even venture to say uh, my own feelings, what they would be given that guy's same circumstances, because this, the sighting didn't end quickly. It was like, uh, I shouldn't say the sighting, but the experience didn't end quickly. It had layers to it. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I can only imagine uh, the out-and-out fear of just one thing after another hitting you, and you haven't even dealt with what hit you first. Yeah. And uh, the thoughts of the gorilla, the screaming monkeys, the like, what the heck is going on here? Wow. No doubt that about is it. Bizarre. That is really bizarre, man. Well, another great uh, email coming in. Uh, another account uh, followed by the Woods Devil and this uh, guy sighting a Yeti in Ukraine. Uh, where does it end? I say it doesn't end. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll just continue uh, down the road and continue to present uh, that which we have to offer, you know, and that's really all you could do. No doubt about it. We need that input from all of you. Keep it coming. It it fuels us. Yeah. I know we get lots of uh, email saying we help you, but your feedback helps us too. And by the way, folks, we have a tremendous, great feedback with those five-star reviews. And those five-star reviews on your favorite podcast player, that is virtually the only means of us being able to attract new listeners to the podcast. And by getting new listeners, we're able to keep the podcast on a regular schedule and continue to increase the quality of the podcast. So keep those five-star reviews coming. Absolutely. And a uh, great report today, Kev, with that uh, Woods Devil from uh, Coos County, New Hampshire. And by the way, folks, if you should find yourself walking through the woods in Coos County, or anywhere else for that matter, you better take my advice and remember just one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.